Welcome to Around the Rink. I'm Jerry Oster. Today we got back the straw that stirs the drink. Triple <laughs> Y. Chewy, how are we doing today, buddy? Doing pretty good. Just uh, getting off the ice and uh, another good session uh, at the Rink North and uh, looking forward to our guest and uh, having a chat with everybody again this week. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Chewy's been working. Uh, we started our R1 camps, our summer R1 uh, training started this week. How's it been going at the Rink North for that? You know, it's been going good. It's been good to get into, uh, you know, a nice facility like that. It's, uh, you know, they've welcomed us out there with open arms. But the biggest thing, it's been really good to see some of our long-term clients, uh, you know, that are on that side of the city. Now we're able to accommodate them with a little bit of a shorter ride. And also we're able to get in some new clients that, uh, you know, in that area of the city that maybe did not know about some of the uh, camps and different things we offered. So it's been a real good start up with that whole process. That's awesome. Uh, if anybody hears anything in the background, it's bring your dog to work day. <laughs> so uh, my homeboy here, Baxter, he's in need of a haircut. He's got very long nails. So if you hear any little tickety-tackety, tickety-tackety, that's just Baxter roaming around, uh, you know, he wants to be a part of the podcast, and he's doing a great job. We could like we could maybe name it the official mascot of the podcast. Oh, he would love that, man. Yeah. He was just asking me the other day, how do I get on the pod? I said, well, don't cut your nails and walk around on the park. <laughs> so I've been working at uh, the Rink South or whatever we call it, the Rink Original. Um, and we launched our R1 again, like I said. Uh, one thing I love about the summertime is seeing the familiar faces roll in. You know, sometimes we don't get to see some of these guys. Uh, we're so close in close quarters uh, through the summer. And then, you know, you, you try to keep an eye on guys and catch the odd game if they're coming through town or, you know, driving out to Brandon. But sometimes we don't see these guys uh, for a full almost a year. So it's nice when they come in. Um, kind of reestablishing relationships that way. But um, it's been awesome. You know, we're back. Uh, the facility's buzzing. Um, athletes are, you know, we're still social distancing and stuff like that. And there's always going to be that, you know, that moving forward. But it it's, feels like we're back to our regular programming, which is nice. Yeah, it's been, a, it's like you say, seeing people that you kind of, you know, have a little bit of a history with, working with, and the families. And, you know, you got to give credit to the players uh, and the families, just how well they've been, you know, able to adapt to, you know, all the different regulations that we've had to follow. And everybody knows the big picture is we just want to get on the ice and play the game. But it's been really good to see how everybody's been able to work together and keeping everybody safe during this time. Yeah, so last podcast, we talked a little bit about the hub cities again, how they're changing. I said a couple weeks ago that Vegas was a lock. <laughs> they're not anymore. And then Edmonton and Toronto were named. And then uh, today I wake up and um, the Misericordia Hospital in Edmonton is on full lockdown. So, um, you know, there's not much to talk about when we talk about hockey, but this thing seems to be changing day to day, week to week. Um, I don't even know if there's going to be uh, hockey this year, too. Well, you know what? As much as we get close, like, you know, they had to draft lottery, and then you hear that the NHLPA and NHL, the Board of Governors, everybody agreed to this. The players are voting on all these protocols and, and how the layout's going to be, and you get to see that every day you get a step closer. 
but in the big picture, you've got to think about how, like, how this really is going to transpire and all the details. And it's just not the hockey players that are involved in it. It's, you know, the people that are serving the hockey players. It's the rink attendants. It's everybody that's involved. And, you know, they talk about these bubbles, but these bubbles are going to be so big of people coming in and out every day. It's If they pull it off, I'll give them a lot of credit because it would be sit, it would be great to watch three games in one day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. What we talked about this weeks ago would be like March Madness. Yeah, exactly. What would happen if uh, the Jets all of a sudden got hot and like Lonnie started scoring goals like two or three a game and Hellebuck got on a roll and they got to the second or third round? Wouldn't it be like incredible and be able to get like just turn the spirit of everybody around, you know, Manitoba and then maybe if the hub city got switched to Winnipeg, like wouldn't it be awesome? Well, you know what I heard the other day, and I don't know, again, I'm not a factual guy. Um, I heard that, and this is a different uh, sport, obviously, but I heard the CFL's talking about having every game in Winnipeg. I heard that too, actually. Uh, I heard that on the radio, on, on uh, I think it was TSN 1290, I think Jim Toth, uh, hmm. a little shout out to Jim Toth, the best hair in all of radio. Um he uh, he did say that that's what they were reporting. It would be kind of, you know, if they can have football, why can't they have hockey in Winnipeg? Well, that's a thing, right? Like, I think that would be unreal. Uh, Winnipeg, again, um, we got to have, like, the lowest, lowest COVID cases across Canada. I get it that people think this place isn't the best place, but maybe that's why our COVID cases are so people are like, we're not going to Winnipeg, right? Yeah, that's right. It's finally working out for us to the positive, but you would think like we have a great arena here, right? I think the biggest thing that Winnipeg doesn't have is we don't, I don't know if we have the accommodations to set up for you know, for all the teams to come in, like that might be a little bit harder for us, but I mean, <clears throat> you're coming into a city that with low cases, I think this would probably be the safest place to have it. No, I agree with you 100%. There must be something, whether it's accommodations or, or practice facility or whatever it is, something that they need on their checklist that Winnipeg just doesn't hit. Otherwise, you know, we've gone, I think we've gone eight days in July without a case. So this gives credit to everybody in, in the province, how everybody, and especially in the city and, you know, the high residential areas and how, how well we keep, uh, keep care of ourselves. Uh, let's get to the, we got a great uh, guest coming on here today, Sandy Henry. Um, I mean, this guy's road's been, it's been an amazing road. So we're going to ask him a little bit about that. He's uh, the head coach of our Elite 15 program for the RHA Nationals. So let's get to that interview right now. Looking forward to it. This guy's been around the hockey world for a long time. Former Red Deer Rebel Scout. He ran defensive clinics all over Alberta. Currently the head coach of the Elite 15 RHA program. And well, all-around good guy. Sandy Henry, welcome to the podcast. How are you today, sir? Doing great, Jer. Long-time listener, first-time caller, so uh, happy to be on board. Oh, finally. Finally, we get Chewy. Finally, we got someone on the podcast who's listened to the podcast. I think, I think we need to get him some apparel, like maybe like uh, a coaster for his drink or maybe uh, I heard that he has a, a pretty fancy bike, so maybe we could get him a sticker for his bike he could put on like uh, from our podcast. 
Is this not the Jim Rome show? <laughs> well, we're just happy to have you. You know, we've been trying to get you on the pod. We've talked about it a couple of times in the office. We got to get the Sandman on, get some of his hockey stories. So uh, let's start right now, Sandman. Let's go back a couple months. Uh, hockey gets shut down. Where were you when it happened? And uh, what did you do with yourself on the time off? You know what? We were we were right in the middle of our playoffs. We just won our first two round robin games. The team was popping. We were looking good. Um, and then we got the plug pulled. So we were in Penticton. Um, Caused a little bit of a storm, obviously. Uh, that was a Thursday, and our flight out was a Monday. And um, I would say Mitch Aguirre, my assistant, and I weren't that excited about babysitting guys for three days. But uh, thanks to Marnie and Marnie Rice and, and Ryan Sear, we, they managed to pop us up into a Saturday morning flight. So um, we only had one night to roast. So, yeah, disappointing, but... Team was on a roll, but that's how it goes, right? So uh, then, you know, after that, it was isolation at home. You know the routines. Uh, really learned how much I miss the social part of the office, I think. I think that's a big part of, of uh, you know, the attraction as a as a person employed by rank is, is to be around those people. So, yeah, I managed to survive a bachelor situation, so ate bad and uh watched a lot of netflix in between zoom meetings obviously have you ever been any uh, part of anything this in your hockey travels your hockey uh you know your resume or in anything like this ever come across you know it just no no i wouldn't say anything like this chewy it's uh i'm pretty old school and i'm a farm kid and I honestly had a hard time believing that it could ever come to this. So, you know, I was keep kept waiting every day. Oh yeah, this is this is BS. We're gonna get out of here pretty soon. And man, you're in the three to four week zone, and you're still sitting on the same couch looking at the same TV. It, it got a little bit old. I won't lie, but you know what? It was nice to get back on the ice here the last six weeks and and get the guys back in the rink and really start working again. So. So when hockey shut down, Sandman, you said you guys were uh, kind of on a roll. What did you say to the guys in the dress room? You know, some of the guys that were uh, graduating out of that program, uh, did you give them any words? Or uh, what do you do as a head coach when something like that happens? Yeah, you know what? I it, it was I could really feel it in the room when we had just won our game and um, – we were optimistic. The last we'd heard from from the uh, the head people at CSSHL is that they were they were committed to forging ahead, and we just won. And then it kind of collapsed really quick. There, um, they knew we were on a roll too. They knew we we had the number one team in the league coming up in the quarterfinals. Um, you couldn't have written a better script. So. Uh, it was pretty deflating, I would say, honestly. I think, you know, for us, it was really about talking about what did you learn this year? Because championships are one thing, uh, but really we're a development-based program. So winning is not the goal of the program. It's moving guys forward. So the message was, hey, yeah, did we get our shot? 
no, and we're, we're disappointed about that, and we think we had a legit chance. Uh, but really, take out of this year what you learned. That's your job. That's your job is to move on, bring what you learned with you to the next level, and be successful there. So now moving forward to RHA here, Sam, and you became the big dog, the head coach of uh, the Elite 15s. Um, why don't you run us through kind of your coaching style? Are you a barker? Are you quiet behind the bench? You look to me kind of like you're very calm. You don't yell very much on the ice. You're very, you know, you, you talk nice and calm to the guys. What type of coach are you? Well, I, I think the first thing I really think is important in a team is accountability. So, um, obviously, practice and building your team on the way to the actual competition, to me, is more important than the competition. Your, your team's going to reflect on the ice what you've taught them the five days before that. So... Um, if you think you're going to change your team in a couple periods on the ice, you're probably wrong. Um, I think you are. So accountability, A, once you build that, then you always will have that on the ice. Uh, I'm not scared to bench a guy. And if you ask my players this year, I would say every guy rat, spend some time sitting beside me, and that's my favorite term. Son, you should just come and sit beside me for a minute because I don't think you're prepared to do what, you know, you need to do today. So, and that might be for discipline. It might be for work ethic. Um, it might be for how you're talking to your teammates. It might be, you know, what you're doing as far as your opportunity out there. So, um, once that accountability is built, that's huge. The other part you really need – championships isn't the most important thing. I think it's a byproduct of, of being prepared. Um, but if you can really make your team close so they want to work for each other, I think that's a huge one. Uh, my game style, yeah, I, I, I don't yell too much. Um, I try to stay off the refs. I would, used to be terrible. I had a lot of, you know, classless walks across open ice in the middle of games in my life. So you start to learn from that a little bit. You're not going to change your mind. Um, and then you're going to put a target on yourself the rest of the way. Uh, I think the guys know I'm super intense uh, when it's game time, you know, when it's practice day and before we hit the ice, I'm really approachable. We have a ton of fun. I chirp guys, they chirp me, we laugh. But when you've, pulled the last laces up in your skates and we're walking out that door. That's all business then. So, uh, yeah. Have I ripped the odd guy down close and in his ear? For sure. For sure I will. Um, but once, like I said, once you've established that accountability, you don't need to rip guys anymore. They know, they know when they're coming to sit and they know why and they accept that and their team loves it because they know they're not getting a guy out there with them that, that isn't prepared to be a team guy. So um, I think that's my style. Establish those things away from the competition. So at competition, the guys can play free and natural and understand exactly what you want from them. And that takes all the yelling and barking and, and stuff out. Um, would they say I'm a hard ass? For sure they would. For sure I come down hard when I need to. One thing I've always respected about you, Sam, man, is, you know, I've been on the, on the ice with you a bunch of times, is 
I don't think any of your players could ever say they didn't know what you were thinking and they didn't know where you stood, right? And I think, uh, you know, we've all played on teams where you're wondering sometimes, I've had coaches where um, I'm trying to guess why I'm on the bench right? or how I could get more ice time. And I always, you know, I was always drawn to coaches that uh, didn't sugarcoat it for me. It was like, okay, this is why you messed up, um, you know, like anybody, if you mess up, I, I hope that I get another chance to make up for my mistake. But I've always respected that about you, that you kind of, you tell it how it is and, you know, you give guys second chances, but they're never sitting on the bench going, geez, I wonder why Sandman put me here. Yeah, they need to know the truth, but they need to know that if they learn from that truth, uh, they're, they're going to get their opportunity. And it, it's about learning it's and they're they're not going to get benched because they you know made a bad pass or something didn't work out it's it's going to be disciplinary it's going to be you're continuously doing something that's detrimental to your team and I guess sometimes it could be your play but usually it stems from a lack of work ethic or preparation or undisciplined like one of those things will feed that mistake to a point where the coach is just going to say no more. If you, you know, he talks to you and you make a change, he's going to be fine and you're going to keep playing. So, yeah, it's, you got to be fair. They got to know why they're there and they got to know what they need to do to get out of there. That's the two things a kid needs to know when he's on the bench. So, okay, well, let's talk a little bit, you know, your head coach of a team. Uh, obviously the rink is a development uh you know, the RHA, sorry, is a development league. Um, before RHA, uh, did you do much with skill development coaches? And how do you use the skill development coaches? I know I have this conversation a lot of times with different people around the facility is, how do you use the skill development side? And how does it help you as a head coach? Yeah, we, we like to really have a year plan uh, that we discuss with our with our skill development, player development guys. I've been one of those guys, so I know, you know, how important it is to get your team to buy into those concepts and, and you know, the massive amount of detail and information you can do in those sessions. So I think having that year plan, certainly not being too reactive to a certain things that have happened on a weekend, I think is important. Um, we will tweak a few things certainly uh, to try and you know maybe touch a few things that look like glaring problems maybe on a certain weekend against a certain team but we try to stick to the plan um, we really sell those player development goalie development guys as part of our program I think you know what the more voices that a player has on especially on the detail and skill side of the game the better off we are all going to be uh, I think it's, it's uh, you know, critical that his voice, the player development voice and the goalie development voice and the head coach voice are, are all on the same page. So uh, the beauty of our facility and our process is that we have lots of time ahead of uh, those sessions to talk that out and make sure that we're all on the same page. And, you know, I'm going to be out there with whoever our, our development person is that day and, and we're going to have a great plan and we're going to make sure the guys are, you know, hit, hitting those details and getting better every day. So huge part of our program, really love that interaction uh, between the development 
programs and RHA. I think they're critical to what we do. Um, you know, and it certainly takes a little pressure off a head coach during the week to have, have those guys come in and, you know, re reaffirm the ideas that we're trying to teach all week as well. So from uh, Sandman, from the, like, uh, you know, you talked about your son's going to the WHL and then you being part of the, the agent firm and, you know, there's always choices for hockey players. And what advice do you give to families that maybe approached you in the past or even approach you now about the choice between going to the WHL or maybe going to NCAA? Like, what advice do you give the families when they have to make that choice? Yeah, I guess, you know, from my side – RHA's really given me some opportunity to see the NCAA side better. Uh, I think it's a little it's a little more uh, available here, or because those big schools are close, there, there's a little more uh, I think interaction than there is. Like we're seeing guys that their recruiters up, you know, watching our 15 year olds or even our bantam practices and and a lots in our midget group. We're in Alberta, you know. I didn't see those guys really till junior A, because that's the guys they're kind of kind of their next flock. So, what I would tell them, I, I kind of put it two ways: are, are you if you're capable of getting into the Western Hockey League, ask yourself, yeah, what am I want to get out of this? And, and if and you, you want to get educated, and that can happen both ways. If What's what type of career do you think you're going to have after hockey? You know, is a Canadian education going to be as good as a U.S. education? D- decide on those things. Like, make sure you're you're putting yourself out a few years further. What am I going to be doing after I'm done this? What via, what do I need hockey to do for me right now? Um, and education's a big one for the parents. Obviously, if they can get some education paid for either way, then that's perfect for them decide what you're going to use that education for. And if you're going to be a Canadian the rest of your life and you think you can play in the Western hockey league, that's the way you should go. If you want, you know, need a little more development, you're a little slower, you're a little younger body, you know, a little more immature and, and you think you want to open some other doors then you should go the other way. So I've, I haven't, Tried to uh, I've tried to be really open-minded and direct guys where I think they fit. Um, certain type of players fit certain certain type of games, and um, both sides have something to offer. So for parents, it's a the problem I see is that kids are having to make that choice earlier and earlier in their lives. So you know, a lot of that Batham draft, there's pressure from the Western Hockey League for the top guys to sign right away, and. You know, but on the NCAA side that, you know, they they want some guys left over too. So uh, it becomes a bit of a wrestling match, and that's a bit unfortunate. I think if if some rules change where NCAA would let some player movement go the other way versus, you know, you could play NCAA and come back and play in the Western Hockey League, no problem, but you can't move the other way, that, that would be uh, – a benefit for all players to find really their true path. You know, when you have to make a decision and the path can only go one way, then you're kind of stuck to it after that. So think it out, think of the future. What do you need out of hockey? Um, Both ways are going to give you opportunity. If you're, you always have to be good enough to make the opportunity. I mean, that's what it boils down to, but 
you know, get some advice from people that have done both and, and try and make the best decision, hold off the decision as long as you think you need to. Um, you should never decide on something that, that you're not ready to decide on just because of pressure. And, you know, the good players are going to love the good players with whether you're 18 or 16, as long as you stay good and, and grow your game someone's always going to be looking for the help you can provide. So uh, don't get too anxious about jumping steps too quick. Sandman, over your years, uh, you know, we could talk about hockey players going from wooden sticks to aluminum sticks to now the one-piece sticks. That's how much hockey we've seen. But what would be the biggest change from when you started with your son? I know you spent a lot of time with your sons in the rink and to where you're doing now with, with coaching kids, like what would be the biggest change that you've seen in the game from your standpoint? Well, I think, I think a couple things for me, the level, the level they achieve at younger ages, I think. And I think that's done through, you know, a places like rank and player development and goalie development. They just get such a higher level of expertise and, and detail. I think in, in their skill development, that, that that advances them faster. I think players have got bigger. And I think a lot more take the off-ice part serious, so that's developed a lot for guys. Um, so functional, I think, uh, physical development through off-ice work has you know, really made these guys strong in the right areas as far as making their skating stronger. They can all shoot the puck like missiles now. Um, and uh, I'll always say technology was the difference between me making it and not making it. Uh, the PPM Featherlight uh, 5030s didn't quite have the same whip as a, you know, a good old true prototype, you know, XC9 or whatever the number is. Uh, even I can shoot better now. So, yeah, equipment's better. Guys train harder. They train more with more focus. Um, they're on the ice more, and that can have pros and cons, obviously. But, you know, I think athletically um, they train to a better a better potential um, to get the most out of their bodies wherever they are and kind of in their state of life or state of development. So, that's the biggest things for me, I'd say. Okay, so let's get to some funny, funny stories now, okay? Enough with the serious. Let's unleash the Sandman here. I told people I'd let the horse out of the stables, let it run wild here. Um, I want to hear a funny story um, from your years in hockey, whether it's a story from the bus, a story from the dressing room. Give me something that kind of sticks out to you, you know, that just kind of makes you chuckle from time to time. Um, I remember fighting the toughest guy in the league, and he slipped and got down, and the two linesmen jumped in and were holding his arms, and I was like a skinny kid. but uh, Tough enough, I think, but not in his league. And, geez, I teed off on that guy as hard as I could, and they were trying to turn him away, and I was punching him as hard as I could. And... Finally, they got me and got me out the gate while our damn dressing rooms were right side by side. I locked myself in our dressing room and with sat in the corner with my stick. I was so scared that guy was coming in to finish the job because he was pissed off. That was uh, that's my that's my scaredest junior B story. Well, let's end it now. Thanks again, Sandman, for coming on. It's been great uh, getting to hear your you know your route and 
through hockey and hearing about your scouting and uh, your coaching. So thanks again for being on the podcast. Appreciate it, guys. Always a pleasure. Okay, so that was Sandy Henry. Fun interview. Sandman, great storyteller. He's been, he's, he's had a long road, right? So it's pretty cool to see, you know, when we bring guys on the podcast, a lot of the roads through the hockey development and all that stuff, some of it's a little bit similar, right? Whereas Sandman, it's, it's a little bit different where he, you know, he kind of got into it through his kids. Yeah, you know what? It was interesting. You know, you hear about all the the parents get involved in in hockey when their kids are growing up, but there's always that kind of give in point when they hand it off to someone else to start coaching. But Sandy just kind of stuck with it, and his kids went off. And usually, that's the time that people retire. They'll go down south. They'll, you know, go to uh, Phoenix or they'll just retire and watch their kids. But Sandy's stuck in the game, and it's sure glad to have him here on board. He's just a wealth of knowledge, and he's and like you say, he's a visitor. And uh, you give him the mic and he's going to tell you some stories, but those stories are all backed up by experience. That's the biggest difference for me. I'll tell you what, if anyone's looking for someone to MC their wedding, I mean, <laughs> this guy can make a killing. You got a couple more days uh, going this week up north? Yeah, just finishing off this week and, uh, you know, just uh, getting a good kickstart to that. And then I think I'll be back and forth a little bit and, uh, you know, hope, hopefully maybe me and you will be on the ice to kind of, you know, teach, teach some kids that backhand slap shot. So that's the only thing in the shooting game that I really love teaching is backhand. <laughs> scored 90% of my goals on backhands and deflections. Yeah. But no, same with me. Um, you know, first week is kind of wrapping up here. We got one more day and then uh, Friday it's our scrimmage day. So those are always fun. If you're listening to this podcast, again, we are a week behind, but if you're looking for something to do, come by and watch some of, some of the best uh, players in the province, uh, scrimmage and, and again this year uh, we hope that the games are uh, competitive like they've always been but we're really going to push that competition this year yeah it should be exciting that friday is always a big day for those guys they are able just to play a game and you know it's great for the you know little kids or you know parents or whoever anybody loves hockey there's some really good hockey going on and you know as soon as you use the word competitive with those guys they're going to want to try and compete against each other because they're going to want to be have bragging rights at the end of the week that's right. So, any plans for the weekend, Chu? No, I might do a little golfing, and uh, it's uh, you got some family things going on in Brandon, so we'll be out there for for a day or two, and then back to work on Monday. And Chu, it's like my dog Baxter once told me, "Hey, man, you didn't let me out. Where else was I supposed to go? <laughs> on the carpet? Come on, man." <laughs> Welcome.